Welcome to Natural Collisions, brought to you by Coac Detroit. Conversations about the challenges and opportunities in the nonprofit sector. Highlighting the voices in nonprofit work in Detroit and Southeast Michigan. I'm your host and program coordinator at Coac Detroit, Charnay Sanders. On today's Natural Collision, what happens in an environment when you need assistance immediately? How fast can organizations move to meet the needs of people? One organization on today's episode is an intermediary that advocates and provides resources for nonprofits. And the other is a nonprofit organization that distributes services right to the community's doorstep. When the need is immediate, can nonprofits meet the demand? Let's talk about it. We are glad to have Madhavi Reddy, Executive Director with the Community Development Advocates of Detroit, which is Detroit's membership organization for community development organizations, place-based groups, and resident-led groups um, such as block clubs and neighborhood associations. We work to support our members to achieve sort of our shared overall goal of neighborhood power and centering decision-making on the needs and desires of Detroiters working in neighborhoods. And joining Madhavi is... Jerry Ann Hebron, Executive Director, North End Christian Community Development Corporation. And we run the Oakland Avenue Urban Farm, which is located in Detroit, Michigan, in the North End, historic North End community. Our urban farm is, as I said, located inside of a historic North End neighborhood. We are currently occupying about six acres of land, which makes us the second largest urban farm in the city of Detroit. We have three and a half acres that are dedicated to food production. We've been doing this since 2009, and we have run a farmer's market since 2010, and our farmer's market is a part of the Detroit Community Market, which is under the umbrella of the Detroit Eastern Market. So we're all about providing healthy food access to our vulnerable community. We do health and nutrition education, workforce development, youth mentoring. We have cooking demonstrations and all types of education classes at our site. And so, yeah, we're just part of this community. Jerry starts the conversation talking about the dire circumstances of last year and how Jerry and her organization instantly responded to essential demands. I have to say that this time last year, 2020, our staff was all recovering from what we may have been COVID, each and every one of us, uh, except for maybe two of us, but five of us were sick as a dog for about three weeks. And it actually occurred because one member had been to Mexico and came back with something that kind of wiped us all out in one day. So we didn't really know what was going on in February. I hadn't really you know, became familiar with the, the COVID-19 explanation of what was happening. But it was typical February for us, downtime. And as we were slowly getting back to work and thinking that we were going to be doing our crop planning or finishing our crop planning for the year, we ended up getting 
connected to this um, emergency food distribution that started happening in March because restaurants and chefs and everything were closed and had an exorbitant amount of food that either was going to go to food waste or trying to figure out how to reuse it or, you know, to get it distributed to other areas. So the chefs were looking at homeless shelters, nursing homes, things like that. Churches were closed. And we happened to be, I believe, the only urban farm that was open and operational still in March. And we became that go-to site for receiving all of this food and hot meals. And so we did not have an operational budget in place in order to do this. And when I asked my staff if this was something that they felt like we could do safely. They all said yes. We went and got a COVID shot, I mean, um, exam, just to make sure that we weren't sick at that time. And we start moving food without thinking about what that added expense to our organization was going to be. Community Development Advocates of Detroit, also known as CDAD, had to find a way to support Jerry and organizations like the Oakland Avenue Urban Farm with the quick turnaround based on immediacy. Much like the rest of the world, at around this time last year, you know, we started hearing about the coronavirus, it's COVID-19. And then shortly into the month of March, we started seeing its effects here where everything shut down. And, you know, we're an organization that provides service and support to other organizations. So, you know, internally, we had to pivot our own sort of service model and all of those things. But also, we had to really shift the way we support our members because their needs were changing immediately. And we started hearing from our members about, you know, suddenly needing to deal with PPE and um, trying to figure out how to make their services while socially distanced or in the early days, how to support people that were in desperate need of support when we weren't able to like be anywhere near each other. So it felt like a full on, I'll use the word panic in the early days (laughs) of how were we going to support people who really, you know, under the best of circumstances needed support. And now these are not the best of circumstances. (laughs) And, you know, we at CDAD work very closely with a lot of partners. And so when we got a call from Chase Bank, it was their suggestion to to figure out whether or not we could work together to provide these mini grants to provide organizations on the ground doing support with a quick turnaround time and, and reducing some of that some of the, all the things sometimes you need to do and the time it takes to get funding out. So I immediately thought our great partners at COACT just went through this Activate program. They had infrastructure built together. So I called their executive director, Alondra Balder, and said, you know, here's this opportunity. Can we work together to get this, get these dollars out as soon as possible to be able to support some of those emergency needs? So they have a great team in place and together both of our organizations mm-hmm really put together this mini grant opportunity with a quick and short, easy application without really too many barriers around what the funding could be used for. We put together a review panel and pushed the dollars out as fast as we could. And I think the feedback, and I'll turn it over Jerry in one second. I just would like to say that I think the feedback was just, it was a great timing for something that had a very low barrier to entry. We didn't really ask for any too many parameters. It was basically apply for what you need and then we'll make a decision together. To be able to have some funding come in that 
had a relatively quick turnaround. It gave us little deposits of money that could keep our staff paid, keep gas in our vehicles, have us some funding so that we could not only move the food, but make sure we were passing out facial masks and hand sanitizer, things that people needed in our community that they were not able to readily have access to for a lot of reasons. Everybody knows what the reasons are. (laughs) You know, the shelves in the store were bare and we don't have adequate transportation oftentimes in our community for people to move around and people were afraid. So we were going door to door, you know, with these needed supplies and the funding came in intermittently. But I'm telling you, being able to access funding to help our immediate needs and to keep us going. And we've moved food from March until like May 15th, feeding about 3,000 families within that time frame. And so it makes the difference in the world. When a funder can say to you, this is what we have, write up a short description, blah, 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 and boom, the money's there. That helped a lot. Yeah, you know, it feels really great to be able to to do that because sometimes, you know, we're also in positions where we have to jump through, we have to go through a lot of like bureaucracy to do the work that we want to be able to do. So it was nice to be able to cut that down a little bit. But I really just have to say that, you know, Jerry and the um, and the folks at Oakland Avenue Urban Farm are really the exact people that we knew that this funding should go to. Those are the people that are doing exactly what Jerry was talking about, door to door, feeding people at a time when people were like very afraid to leave their house, go to the grocery store, or were unable to for several, several reasons that this is sort of the exact, the story that Jerry just told is sort of the exact reason why we wanted to do this. And it was very nice to have the opportunity put in front of us, but also it's very nice to see, to hear about how, you know, it was actually helpful and that we were able to cut down that bureaucracy as much as we were able to. I also feel like I would be remiss if I didn't say, I cannot wait till the day where we can go visit the farm again. (laughs) CDAD has a community development week each year, and Jerry hosted us for a very beautiful outdoor lunch with all of the folks that she works with, and just the spirit of what they're doing and the spirit of the actual like farm is just very beautiful. And I um, like everybody else, really just can't wait to be able to get out there and see and, you know, be with our people and then try to work with Jerry again. It was it was a really great experience doing really, really good work. Yeah, I hope that that actually happens again. I mean, you know, this is 2021 and I'm still feeling very nervous mm-hmm. about how we're going to be able to have people return to our farm. You know, we've had anywhere from four to 5,000 people visit us on an annual basis from around the world. We missed that last year. And I'm thinking that it's not going to be too too much happening this year as well, other than maybe our farmer's market. But those engagements that we have with other groups and being able to, you know, have people come and just enjoy the environment is why we do what we do. It makes all the difference in the world for people to come and experience our community. And I got to tell you that right now, the community has been very, very fragile with this pandemic, as we all know. And here... It's February and we're planning (laughs) because we know that our families still need to improve their immune systems and the education is so, so important. So we've been working with a lot of chefs that are local 
to ensure that our chefs are providing meal preparations and education around foods that are going to help build stronger immune systems to help our community to be able to survive this pandemic while we're waiting for our vaccines and even after we get our, get our vaccines. I just really was excited to hear about your story. So I think I may, I I went a little fast. So I'm going to go back and talk a little bit about the actual grant and some of the things I talked about. So I talked earlier about having sort of a low barrier to entry in terms of like, you know, we had to have an application process just because we knew there were so many asks and we had to have a rational way to sort of decide what to do with this pool of funds. But we didn't Oftentimes when people apply or organizations apply for money, there's a lot of sort of granting parameters and frameworks around it. And we tried, you know, CDAD and COACT and our partners on the granting on on the review panel really tried to make sure that we reduce the barriers as much as possible. And so we were able to fund 11 organizations with a mini grant to do things like we're able to provide general operating funds, which are sort of be able to use for whatever the organization thought they needed it to provide funds for transportation to appointments during that that sort of time frame for people who really needed to get to medical appointments. People built um, used funds to build, you know, outdoor decks and outdoor spaces, sort of thinking long term that we would be in this position, Jerry, as you said a bit earlier, that here we are in 2021. So we sort of left it up to to really the people, the organizations applying to define sort of their own needs. And as someone who, you know, applies for a lot of grants myself, <laughs> that's an unusual sort of circumstance to just be able to, to reduce those like barriers to application. Um, I just want to go back and sort of talk about that a little bit, and then to talk about what other types of work people did with the funding. As I said, I was just really excited to hear about Oakland Avenue Urban Farms. So I jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> Mary, I hope that application was, I mean, as I said, it would be in a beautiful world, we wouldn't have to have those kinds of things, but I hope it wasn't too cumbersome some to have to to go through that. I think we, we tried our best to simplify. You know, it was actually, I, I'm not going to say easy. Right. <laughs> you know, but in a way it was easy for us because it was the work that we were doing. Exactly. And so it was easy for us to talk about that work and why that work is so important for us to be able to continue it. And what I think was very, very helpful was the way you communicated back and the timeliness of how it was processed so that, you know, sometimes you're waiting three or four months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And and you have this need and it's like, that's a lot of stress. That could be a Mm -hmm. lot of stress. And so being mindful that this work is happening right now and need to get this money out quickly, I think is what made this really, really nice for us. And I think for other organizations uh, to not have this gap of time where you, you don't know when or if it's coming. Right. Thank and that you. you could just go ahead and do your work. So thank you for that. You know, we'll, we'll make an announcement later, but I think I'll be able to say like a mini announcement is that we'll be working with CDAT and COACT. We'll be working again to do another round of these funds, but we'll probably, you know, we'll do, we'll send out the application and do all those formal announcement things. But certainly hearing Jerry about your experience will help us inform sort of the second round. 
you know, I think it's important as, you know, again, Jerry, as you said earlier, we are still in this thing. (laughs) Maybe we understand it slightly better, but we're still in a position where people have those kinds of emergency needs. You know, some of some people have been unemployed for almost a year, you know, all of these sort of crises we thought would be a spring 2020 thing (laughs) are still here. And we'll, you know, we'll likely be recovering from this for years to come. So we're happy to, I mean, not happy about the circumstance, but um, honored to be able to do this again in the next month or couple of weeks. So I just want to say that. Mm-hmm. And the work in the communities is most important. Jerry talks about how the Oakland Avenue Urban Farm touches the lives of those most in need in the neighborhoods, even when it's so important to stay safely distant. Worked our team going door to door. It allowed us to reconnect with people in our community on a whole nother level where we were seeing visually how impacted these families have been, like the need for disinfectant, PPE, masks, food, the social engagement. I mean, look, a lot of our families are seniors. It was a little scary at times because. We would go to our families, knock on the door. The seniors would open the door like, hey, how you doing? Come on in. And we'd be like, like, no, well, we just want to make this delivery. You know, we don't really want to come in. We want to make sure everybody's safe, but we're really happy to see you. You know, so that, that social connection, physical connection was so important to our families being able to let them know that there was somebody in the community working to make sure that they were getting the resources that we were able to collaborate and connect to, to get to them, and that they could trust us. There was one lady I worked with on the east side, further east over by, oh, I can't think of the name of the street. She's on Kirby. She cooks for 11 seniors on her block. And so we were able to provide a lot of food to her to help her to be able to cook and feed the families or the seniors that she was feeding. So the experience that we encountered just going out into our neighborhoods and knocking on our doors and talking to people, we learned so much. There are so many people out in these neighborhoods doing work undercover that if you're not out there looking for them or connecting to them, you wouldn't even know it was happening. So those are the kinds of relationships that I value out of this experience, this pandemic. And during the downtime between Christmas and New Year's, people were emailing me and texting me, telling me how much they appreciated us. That means a lot to us. And it helps us to get ready for this year. Thanks so much for that, Jerry. You know, people have heard me say that I really firmly believe that the recovery to all of this is at the block level. And what Jerry just described is what I mean when I say that, that it's really those human connections that are going to get us through all this in this weird time when we're not allowed to be together, but going door to door and checking on people, um, you know, feeding seniors, having that really um, like hyper local system of support for people in neighborhoods is really the only way I I think that, you know, we're going to bounce back from this thing. There's a lot of talk about like 
resiliency and all these things sort of at the city or regional level, all of those things are very important. But for the practical things for people's like daily lives, it's people like Jerry and organizations like the farm that are really going to make sure that people get through this. And that's why, you know, organizations like mine have to advocate and make sure that these organizations that are in neighborhoods that are place-based have what they need to do that kind of work. If you know, you're doing this work in a city that has a lot of like transit issues in a time that is really, um, it is still scary for many people, even though we've been at this for a year, that there has to be organizations like the farm or are the other grantees in this program who are based in neighborhoods who are providing those sort of daily supports of literal things like food, medication delivery, um, transportation to doctor's appointments, that we're not going to get through this without, without groups that are doing that work. And so I think you know, though we at CDAD, maybe we might do this as staff in our own neighborhoods. And, you know, many of us are residents in the city, you know, do that in our own communities. But in terms of our work at CDAD, that, you know, these are the stories that really remind us and really like really shore up the idea that it is these groups that we need to talk about when we're thinking about, you know, funding equity and the recovery and who needs to be resourced to really help the city move forward from this pandemic. It's going to take a while to get back to any semblance of normal, but it's folks like Jerry and the other grantees that are going to help us get there. So I'm, I'm grateful, Jerry, to you and all that you do. Thank you. And what's on the table for 2021 for each of the organizations now and what's upcoming for the rest of the year? I'm excited to, to say that um, at the farm, we already have an opening date for the farmer's market. It is June 12th. We are working with uh, Chef Phil Jones, Make Food Not Waste, who I want to say has been a great partner with the farm. And, and so... We did three virtual cooking classes, two in November, one in December, and those classes had an overwhelming response for just how much information was shared with them, with the participants in terms of uh, nutritional value and things like that. So we're planning to do two of those uh, virtual cooking classes again. We are also in the middle of doing our crop plan because what we found out is that even though we were in the middle of a pandemic last year, our farmer's market opened one month later because we were just being very careful and trying to figure out if we should open or not. What we found is last year, our farmer's market, Oakland Avenue Farmer's Market, had the best season out of 10 years, the best. And we were in the middle of a pandemic. People were flying to us, flocking to us because we're outdoor uh, venue. We had all the guidelines, the CDC guidelines were in place. Our vendors had all the essential items that are needed and required. And we were able to also continue our free food distribution which normally mixing free food with food that is for sale, people be like, oh no, you can't do that. But we did it and it didn't matter. We were able to take care of our vulnerable uh, community as well as uh, provide an experience for people to shop at the farm that was wonderful and they felt safe. And so 
those are the things that we are preparing for now. And we're still in the in the midst of the emergency food distribution. It's still going on. So every Friday and Saturday at the farm between 12 and 3, we have food for people. That's so that, that's yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear you had such a, a good year. I mean, it really is testament to how much people how much people trust you <laughs> with their food and to take care of them in a socially distanced way. That's very beautiful. For us at CDAD, I mean, it looks, our work for 2021 looks sort of the similar to how it always looks, which is really working with our members and working with our partners in community development to figure out what, to learn more about what our members and other organizations need at this time to do the work they need to do to take care of people in their, in their communities. So that looks like, you know, meeting with our partners in philanthropy to talk about how, you know, there's some changing work going on at the neighborhood level. That looks like making sure we're in constant communication with our members and shifting our member services to meet people um, where they need us to be and provide the kind of support and services that they need us to support. Um, it looks like another grant, grant uh, another round of these mini grants. As I said, you'll hear some, you'll hear some news about that later. And then it really looks Looks like you know, CDAD has a um, a few buckets of work which you know we've had to really examine in 2020 and going into 2021 about what does our public policy uh, work look like. You know, there's so many things happening in the city in the middle of all this pandemic, <laughs> so many big decisions being made. So how do we make sure people are connected to ways to influence those decisions? You know, we're working on the citywide youth council with young people who really want to help support this recovery and do excellent work with people in their in their communities. And we're working on trying to develop these networks at the neighborhood level for neighborhoods that want to work with us. And so really like turning micro and being able to provide that technical assistance to neighborhoods who want to who want to build those kinds of very like local networks. But we think about all of this as sort of recovery from the pandemic in a way that is just, you know, our usual sort of operations of really being in tune to what our members need and want. So you'll um, hear some more about some of that work in the next couple of weeks. And finally, and I'm really happy to say this is a little bit unrelated, but related to work at CDAD is that we're bringing on a new staff person in March to be able to help us have even sort of more and greater impact. Detroiters taking care of Detroit, the communities, the neighborhoods, the people. Madhavi of CDAD and Jerry of Oakland Avenue Urban Farm discuss how important it is to continue to support one another. I think to summarize, I think where we're at CDAD is to just make sure we're really connecting with our members and folks like Jerry and um, you know at the Oakland Avenue Urban Farm to just continue to really figure out what the needs are and not make any assumptions that, oh, we're past this because, you know, X, Y, and Z is happening. Um, we are really in the middle of this, particularly in neighborhoods that don't have access to some of the things that may be linked to recovery. So just make sure we're all, we're all working together to make sure the city, its neighborhoods, and its people really come through this. You know, we've We've lost a lot, but Detroit has been through, as everyone knows, Detroit has been through a lot in its history, to say the least. And, you know, there's a reason why people come from all over the world to learn from Detroiters about how to be, you know, 
engaged residents, how to do really innovative and unique things. I'm sure, Jerry, you've talked to people from all over the world at your farm. Um, there's a reason why people come to Detroit to learn about those things, because, you know, we, we are we are strong and, and we'll we'll get through this, too. People come from all over the world and around the country uh, because our communities, uh, the people who live in our communities are strong. And we actually do take care of each other and look out for each other. And so it's always amazing to me when people say, well, how do you do community engagement? And I just laugh because it's like, how about talking to people? How about talking to your neighbor? How about checking on your neighbor? Watching out for each other, paying attention to what's happening with each other. This is how... You know, we do it and we do it in Detroit well. And so even in the midst of this pandemic, like right now in my neighborhood, we know that there are four people who have COVID right now within our North End community that we have identified. And we're making sure that we get them food, that we get them water. We are making sure that we're getting them uh, some disinfectant and things like that delivered to their houses because they cannot come out. And uh, we just want to make sure that they have what they need. This is how we do it in our communities, because we care about each other. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to say I'm really thankful to be here today to talk about our work. It's going to be an amazing year, I think, in terms of, I'll just say it this way. This is how we do it in Detroit. (laughs) Just watch us. This is how we do it in Detroit. This is how we take care of each other. So it's going to be an amazing year for us here in Detroit, I do believe. Beautiful. Thank you, Jerry. You know, I cannot say it any better than that, but thank you. It's always an honor to share space with you, Jerry. And thank you, Sharnay, for the opportunity um, to talk a little bit about the work we're doing together. Thank you to Madhavi Reddy of Community Development Advocates of Detroit, also known as CDAD. Find more information about their work at cdad-online.org. And thank you to Jerry Ann Hebron of Oakland Avenue Urban Farm. Be sure to visit the market on Saturdays when they open in June. Find out more at their website, Oakland Urban farm.org. On Natural Collisions, Coag Detroit loves to highlight nonprofits doing exciting work in the Detroit and Southeast Michigan area. This episode, we'd love to highlight the work of Carl Wellborn, who heads Independence Rides. So nobody really puts in place a plan for when they stop driving. There are a few people that do do that, but by and large, it tends to catch most people off guard and unprepared. So when it comes now to doing simple things like going grocery shopping, going to a museum, getting ice cream, or going to see family members or whatever, virtually nobody is really prepared for how they're gonna conduct that critical part of transportation in their life when they stop driving a vehicle. And it's, it's really troubling. And so what we're trying to do is be there at least as one good solution when that moment happens. It's really achieving the mission. Again, like I said, dignified rides for seniors and vision impaired adults, providing those rides in a safe way, but as much as we can, kind of not 
downplay the current pandemic. You can't downplay it, but somehow to rise above it, I guess you could say. So to be able to offer an arm to and walking assistance is a normal thing, even in a pandemic. So we try to make sure that being able to do that is safe. To be able to ride in a vehicle, even in a pandemic, with the virus floating around, there's a way to do that so that it's safe and dignified. So in this example, uh, we make sure that um, the vehicle interior is cleaned after every ride, especially the touch points. We make sure that the distance between the driver and the riders maximized as much as we can. Everybody wears a mask. These are simple CDC um, protocols that they sent to us and organizations like us to follow to help maximize the safety. Having fresh masks available in the vehicle in case somebody forgets one or there's brakes, sanitizer in the vehicle, all those kinds of things that are cautionary and necessary for this time, but it's just a regular way that we do business. And so it doesn't seem odd or strange. Again, it's just taking a ride with a friend. I retired from General Motors about two and a half years ago. Uh, and most of my time there was in advanced vehicle development and advanced projects. In the last 13 years, I worked at GM Research and Development, and one of the projects I had was called the Independence Project, and it basically dealt with the aging, this unprecedented aging of the world's people. And so the challenge was to get in, understand it, figure out what it meant to a company like General Motors. But what I realized in that whole thing kind of opened my eyes to just how big a problem it is just getting around from point A to point B for people who are seniors, people with disabilities, elderly, and so on. So when I retired, it was kind of a no-brainer for me to just step right from one pot into another and putting together this, this organization. To find out more about Independence Rise and all of their services, visit them at independencerise.com. This has been Natural Collisions Podcast from Coact Detroit. Remember, the word Coact itself means to work together because we know we cannot have transformational impact if we only work alone. To learn more about Coact Detroit and upcoming initiatives, visit coactdetroit.org. Please subscribe to Natural Collisions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We will return with more conversations soon. Thank you for listening.